0: In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. One of the um, costs of uh, getting older is that you have to go to um, get an annual physical uh, every year, and I just hate it. And all the men that I know hate it too. It's a terrible thing to do. And There are some obvious reasons because nobody likes to be like poked and prodded and you get needles stuck in you. But it's more than that because when you go there, it's like a judgment just on like, how are you doing? Like, you know, what's wrong with you? Are you okay? Or what's what's happening in your life? And the doctor asks you questions that you've got to answer and you try to answer them honestly. And they're all judgment questions like, you know, um, about questions about your lifestyle and. You know, you have to answer, well, I just haven't really found that right balance yet. You know, and then you, how much food and how much drink, too much, you know, how much exercise, not enough. And then all these boxes that you have to check about all the things that have been wrong with you or like what's wrong with your family. Um, and so you could conceivably answer the doctor's questions in a way that like puts you in a good light. although that's a stupid thing to do. Is he's there to help you, but you can do it. But then there are the evaluations um, that you have to go through, which can't be nuanced, like the scale, um, like your lab work, like your cholesterol count, like your blood pressure. And so uh, nobody likes to face the music this way, and that's why you avoid going to the doctor. And obviously this is a terribly stupid thing to do, because if um, something's wrong with you, then the doctor should find out about it, and then the doctor's on your side. The doctor is there to help you. Now, helping you get better—it's um, sort of quite the industry uh, in our country, of course, and all of the self-help um, books and movements, etc., that proliferate everywhere. I was struck by the title of a new self-help book—a um, book that um, is designed to help you get better—and the, um, the the title of the book seemed to be. Uh, To reveal a fatal flaw in the thinking behind almost all kinds of self-help, whether it's self-help through yoga or self-help through this, that, or the other. And the title of um, the book is this, The Road Back to You. Now, The Road Back to You. Now, um, well-meaning, but the title again is communicating this broadly accepted thinking that sort of we we take for granted now. And it's something like this, like, number one, deep down, I'm awesome. (laughs) Like, deep down, you know, go down deep enough, and I'm a really, there's really good stuff down there. That's, That's my core essence. I'm an awesome person. Um, however I've been sidetracked somehow by stuff that 's happened to me from the outside like you know, um, t- t- I know t- consumerism or childhood you know wound or too busy a lifestyle or whatever it is like that is wrong with me is um, something's wrong with me because it's been perpetrated to me from the outside. so number one. Um, I'm really great. Number two, I'm struggling because I've been somehow divided from being in union with my true great self. And then number three, and then this is where you can fill in the blank with all the self-help books, and again, you name it, um, from Feng Shui to um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I don't I just, I know why I said Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I just had an F word. Anyway, wow, it's going nowhere good. So you can... Um, you can then reunite with your good core essence by buying this book and doing XXX. And usually it's sort of meditation or some kind of inner knowledge and it requires your dedicated effort. But once you do it, um, then, well, great. You will achieve an inner peace. You will be in harmony, you know, with a kind of divine essence that unites us all. In other words, you'll have finally found the road back to you, and you'll just go um, swimmingly along in your life. So this is not a new conception of the world or of the self, because the Corinthians, the people that Annie just read about, were dealing with the same sort of thinking 2,000 years ago. Um, They uh, were using spirituality and all its various forms, and they were very impressed with their own spirituality to recover the real you in them. And they were so impressed with what was going on, and they were boasting all about it. And Paul is like a doctor, so he planted the church, and he's made an annual trip back to this church plant to give a kind of spiritual, physical um, of, of their health, and he finds like terrible stuff, terribly terrible vulnerabilities, terrible things wrong with uh, the Corinthians. Just to rattle off a few, um, a guy, a man, is, is sleeping with his father's wife. Now we don't actually know uh, if it's his mother, but even if it's not, you've got to admit that's still a little bit of a problem, right? Yes. Um, then the, another thing, they just hated poor people. And so they were—they uh, would belittle poor people and wouldn't welcome poor people, people from the lower classes, into their fellowship. And so that was a problem, uh, given the very core message of Christianity for all of the poor. And then thirdly, they would get together for communion, and what would happen is they'd get really drunk on the communion wine. So um, we don't give you enough to make that happen here at Christ Church, but so they would have these these dinners that would um, double as uh, like these agape feasts, which would be the communion, and they would turn into raucous parties. And what they did was just boast that no matter all this stuff that was going on, they were in touch with their spirituality that had put them on the road back to you. So think about that title for a second. Um, and... The road back to you. I mean, the truth of the matter. Let's just think about your own life. Think about my own life. The road back... Like, I need a little more help in my life than the road back to me. Like, I know what that road, where that road ends. And it's not really a very good place. Like, it's... Like, you know... Really? That's all I get is a road back to me? Like, I've tried me. I need something other than me. I don't want... Like, ask anybody I live with. The road back to me doesn't end well. Um, you know, it's a road back to me ends in selfishness or anger or lust or self-pity or pettiness. I mean, and you've got the own road back to you. which you want to, like, get off of that road. Uh, you know, if you find the road back to me finds me watching a UVA basketball game like yesterday, then it's terrible. I'm saying all these awful things to your classmates. Um, and I shouldn't, but I do, and so do you. Um, so, I need a little bit more help than the road back to me. Really? That's what, I, that's what you're going to give me? No, I want more. Now, I'm just not making this up or trying to be funny to be funny because Jesus is the great teacher, right? Even people who don't accept his divinity say he's the great teacher. Well, Jesus says something in total contradistinction to the road back to you. Um, what he says is this. Look, the problem isn't out there. And like, you're just going along merrily and then you get blindsided by external problems and then you're um, sidelined with issues. He says, no, the problem isn't out there. The problem emerges from inside. The stuff that hurts you, the stuff that hurts other people, isn't that out there, their fault. It comes out of your heart. I mean, this is again what Jesus says in Mark 7. From within, out of the heart of a person... Come evil thoughts and sexual immorality and theft and murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness. And he goes on and on and on. I won't belabor it because you get the point. So um, the road back to me is a dead-end road that's no, of no help. And um, what any kind of spiritual, physical um, you might have and I might have or will reveal, there's something wrong with me that I cannot fix myself. And there's something wrong with you that the road to you cannot fix. So get me off that road to me ASAP. And Paul comes in and says the same thing to the Corinthians. He says, this is is not working out. Now, what he said to them was not popular then any more than it's popular now. Uh, It's countercultural because nobody likes to admit there's something wrong with him to begin with. Um, But... I believe Paul offers them and you and me the only hope there is for people in need. So this is what he says that Annie just read. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I didn't come preaching the mystery of God to you in lofty words or wisdom. Twelve steps to the road back to you. Then he says this, For I decided to know nothing among you except one thing, Jesus Christ and him crucified Jesus Christ in him crucified now the if you're old enough you'll remember from the 70s the great therapeutic self-help book that everybody had on their shelves was I'm okay you're okay and we've asked the question before but if I'm okay and you're okay why is he hanging on the cross why is Jesus Christ crucified? So, I'm going to do a, a switch. You're going, to, you're going to have to move from the cross to loons. So, not loonies, but like loon birds, the birds. So, think about loons for a moment. Now, have you ever heard the cry of a loon? Uh, they're in the north. They, they're in like the Adirondacks or in Canada, and they're on the lakes. And if you've ever heard one, you will never forget it. So after the service, like after the Super Bowl or whatever, by the way, Falcons by seven, uh, that, that will happen. Um, then um, then you, you'll never forget the cry of a loon It's so piercing. Uh, it's so plaintive it's so heart-wrenching and so bereft that it breaks your heart too. And you, you're you spooked and, and you're chilled. And what happens is darkness descends on the lake. You're in the Adirondacks and the sun goes down and there's a solitary loon making this terribly, terribly, um, Heart-wrenching cry, and it goes on and on and on. It's a long wail, and it reverberates and echoes across the water and the pine trees all along. And the um, bird expert I was listening to talk about the loon call suggests the loon is kind of like an existential metaphor for us. The loon is just saying, where are you? Where are you? I'm here. Where are you? And the poet Mary Oliver writes about the loon, suggesting that the loon is somehow connected to you and me, crying out of the depth of what's wrong of us, saying, where are you? I need help. Where are you, God? Cries The loon cries for three days. Three days. In the gray mist, cries for the north it hopes it can find. Oliver says, You come every afternoon and wait to hear it as though it were your own twilight, i.e. death, as though it were your own vanishing song. Where are you? It sounds like that. When Christ was crucified, see, what happened is that he was crucified alone, but he was crucified for all of us, for you and for me. In other words, he represented, he represented us on the cross, taking upon himself all that's wrong with you, all that's wrong with me, all that's wrong with the world. And before. The dark of death would descend on him for three days. He cried out in his own bereft, vanishing song, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm here. Where are you? Decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ." and him crucified, Paul said. Because Jesus Christ endured the desolation of our sin and our shame. Why? To become for us the road back to God. The road back to God. Remember, before he was crucified for our sake, he said, I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. We are given so much more than a dead-end road that leads back to our sorry selves. For as elsewhere, St. Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. She is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We don't need to go back. We're transported into a new life, even more powerfully and An intellectually sophisticated way he says, I have been crucified with Christ. The very I, the self, has been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. Jesus Christ and him crucified is God's ultimate answer to our plaintiff plea. Where are you? The answer, of course, is I'm here on the cross, bleeding to give you new life. Amen.